0: It's all part of us, we can all choose love, it'll lift you up, if you let it in, let the healing begin.
1: Welcome Choose Love friends! My name is Scarlett Lewis and I'm the founder of the Jesse Lewis Choose Love movement. I am so happy to have you here today, and we have an incredibly special guest. Her name is Allegra Jordan, and I'm glad that we're recording the call so that I can listen to it again and again and again as well because I always learn so much from Allegra. Allegra is a volunteer with the Choose Love for the Workplace. It is a new program that we're offering, and I can't wait to uh, talk with her about it. She was born on a military base during the Vietnam War and grew up in Selma, Alabama. You remember Selma probably from Bloody Sunday, 1965, in the March for Voting Rights that resulted in the historic Voting Rights Act of 1965. Allegra was taught by leaders of the voting rights movement. She became a nationally competitive college debater, but in a devastating turn of events, her debate coach murdered her debate partner. Her journey to wholeness took her to work around the world, bartering her skills to learn from great humanitarian leaders at the UN Human Rights Prize level. She wrote a best-selling novel that I have, The End of Innocence, and has Google's top-ranked reconciliation poetry website, which is gorgeous. I have her poetry book as well. She holds an MBA from Harvard Business School and a coaching certificate from Georgetown. Uh, on your website, AllegraJordan.com, your headliner is Cultivating Flourishing Communities, which is so appropriate for today. It's appropriate anytime. We all wanna be flourishing rather than languishing. But then the caption under that is leading gently in a violent world. I say beautiful, poignant, timely, and true. You've had incredible success in helping people through crises in the medical field, to the energy field, to the hospice field, and more. Your experience is incredibly diverse. You uh, talk a lot about human flourishing, and I really want to discuss that later as it pertains to the coronavirus and our lives as individuals, the economy, and what it means for the world going forward. We know that leaders are in crisis right now and need guidance in this unprecedented era of the pandemic. Uh, you were named Architect of Change by Maria Shriver. And I have to say, Allegra, I feel like you are a gift from Jesse because you know I was kind of, not, I, I can't say I was thrust into a leadership position in the Jesse Lewis Choose Love movement because I chose it. But I certainly never had led an organization before, nor had I ever been in a management position. Both of those things being incredibly difficult and the past couple of months that we have been working together with you and Jerry Elena, I have learned so much personally and my leadership and management skills have flourished you know i didn't realize how much i was struggling until you all came on board and you know i learn in every single conversation that we have that's why i'm so excited that we're recording this and uh, giving this to the world because it really is a gift and welcome allegra
0: oh thank you so much scarlett i'm just honored and blessed to get to hang out with you (laughs) Jerry, Elena, happens to be my cousin. So I love hanging out with him and have my whole life. But when you were talking about, you know, you had never been thrust into this type of role. um, And I was kind of laughing inside. I was like, well, (laughs) neither had Moses. Um, But Moses uh, and Moses said, you know, hey, I'm not ready to do this. And yet he was called and he was like, okay, you're going to go. And um, on the other side, there was, I saw a meme today on the internet. It showed a picture of Yule Brenner as Ramses in the movie Moses. And it said something like, Ramses looking at you for only having one plague. And, and um, here we have. <laughs> so, so maybe the Moses uh, ideas are with us, but Moses certainly led a movement and he was not prepared. And, and people came to Moses in part because what he was doing was so beautiful, so winsome, so wholesome, just so right the world. And I feel that way in your presence. In fact, being around you has given me the courage to go back and look at all those dusty grudges that I still have and and just say, forgive, forgive. Let's keep some short accounts here and let's let's move on to something much more beautiful and lively and life giving than returning to these dusty old grudges.
1: You know, this formula for choosing love that underlies everything that we do works and we've proven that in schools homes communities and now workplaces and it's something that i live my life by every single day i work to mindfully choose love and when you do that it gives you your personal power back and it feels good i do that in running this organization I do this in my personal life with my relationships, and I literally practice this formula every day. And it's, it's been such a blessing to me.
0: I see the wisdom of it. It's so simple, and yet it's so vital. We need to have in our lives some template that we're working towards to say, OK, where am I? I'm, I'm very distracted. Oh, yeah, I have committed myself to becoming a more loving person. And I'm just gonna do these four things today. And I know if I do those four things that I'm becoming a more loving person in this world.
1: It's pretty incredible that it leads us to thoughtfully responding with love in every situation, circumstance, or interaction you will ever face. And it works. And I'm so excited We've launched the workplace program to incredible response and feedback. In fact, we had to escalate the launch because of the incredible demand. And then the coronavirus hit, and it was like it's always perfect timing. I mean, not that the coronavirus is perfect timing because so many people are suffering, and it had, talk about thrusting us into unchartered territory. And it's been devastating for our economy. And, you know, the the issues, I keep saying the issues that were there before uh, that we were suffering from, not just in schools, by the way, but in our society are just escalating. And we can see that through the numbers with mental health issues and, and substance abuse and loneliness. So the perfect timing part is really having this workplace program that addresses all of it and can help you know we have this incredible visual that shows this circle with concentric circles moving out so you start with the self obviously and then it just grows upon that to your family in schools communities businesses the world this incredible ripple effect when you start by choosing love with yourself, there is an incredible ripple effect and that's what we're trying to do. So I have a couple of questions for you, Allegra, but I do just wanna go back for one second to the Moses analogy because I believe that Moses had a lisp, right? And he was like, God, seriously? You want me to lead these people? And I have a lisp, like I literally can't do this. And I've definitely had those moments myself and uh, maybe not with a list, but with many, many other <laughs> deficiencies and saying, uh, really me? Um, and especially with the workplace thing. I talk with Jesse all day long and I'm like, okay, I get this, Jesse. You're saying, mom, if you're gonna launch a workplace program, then you're gonna have to have experienced all of the issues that the people that you're gonna work with have experienced. So that's just what this is. This is all one big learning opportunity. And I had to laugh to myself, because it's
0: true. (laughs) Yeah, well, I would like to affirm that people are the root cause of so much good in this world. Certainly you are a great example of good in my life and in so many other lives. So, um, But they're also challenging. And at work, what we find are the challenges uncovered. We have to do teamwork together. We have to try to be excellent as a team in a competitive field. And the things that would come up in any part of your life, whether or not you're struggling with it at home or in relationships, they'll show up at work. And so what we want to do is help people at work wherever Mm -hmm. these issues are coming up in usually some pretty specific ways. Like maybe it takes you several days to articulate what your plan is or or (laughs) you won't even write your plan because you're kind of under your desk sucking your thumb which is sometimes how I am when I have to make a sale I'm like I go under my desk I'm like I'm not gonna go you know make that sale I might get told no and I don't want to hear the rejection um and you know maybe Uh we're not being ourselves Uh at work Uh, maybe we're someone else at work and we're someone else at the home and we're not integrated Uh because we're afraid of letting people know who we are and what we think. Maybe we're jealous of a competitor's bank account and we, we waste so much time being jealous. But, you know, if your je- jealousy is just such a common thing, you know, you might be jealous of someone's shoes, you know, out in the party world, um, and then you go to work and you might be jealous that someone has more than you or someone might have an easier life. There's also the issue of conflict and conflict at work is mm-hmm. often defined by conflict avoidance. How do I avoid this and not really deal with the issues at hand? And social and emotional intelligence help us stop looking for our business plan at the bottom of a coffee cup and actually like, you know, stop, put down the coffee and start actually working on it. Um, start making our own money and stop being jealous of someone else's mm. bank account. Stop using uh, mm-hmm. people pleasing mm-hmm. for people who don't really care about you. Um, Stop feeling small and stifled and unhappy. You can stop wasting your time with SEL skills playing referee Mm -hmm. for bickering Mm -hmm. teammates because you know how to set and keep ground rules. You know, sometimes at work, um, I just finished a four-year project with incredible soldiers. And a lot of what we could have spent time on, Mm -hmm. well, let's just say soldiers are really good at fighting they love to fight. And and so that doesn't stop in a shared work environment. In fact, um, they can get pretty quickly into needling each other in, in unproductive ways. And so SEL Skills helps you have a five-minute conversation instead of a four-week conversation. Because conversations, uh, if avoided at work, will go on a long time. And I've almost never met a person who said I terminated a relationship with someone um, too soon they almost always say i let it go on too long and sel skills help us understand Mm -hmm. how to have that conversation in five minutes and stick with it and just move on to other things it frees you up for so much else i recently read on the great sufi poet rumi's tombstone basically come broken-hearted people we are not a caravan of despair and there's so much more to life than resolving conflict you need sel skills to yes. know who you are to get off your knees to take your personal power back and and then you also need it to remember that there is a cessation of suffering and you can have fun and joy on the other side But you can't do it if you have a lot of conflict. You need to be able to work through it. You need to be able to articulate your truth in love. You need to be able to understand who you are and really accept and love that. And then you need to be able to take action. And all of these elements are part of the Choose Love formula. So if you can center yourself with any of the free Choose Love materials, and then what you might do with an engagement with the Choose Love movement, is to engage with us for maybe a custom workshop or some custom coaching. We have expert coaches to work with you. And we can also do some custom organization development. We have a wonderful group of people, very experienced to do this. But the difference that we have that we offer is that we actually care that you flourish. And you know people know if you love them. People know if you care about them. And and we actually want our clients our world to be a flourishing world and so we're taking every step with that in mind now that doesn't mean that we're going to duck a hard conversation actually having that hard conversation models for our client for our friends what is possible with these conversations how precise and careful and loving they can be and even though they might be uncomfortable they can get us to a much healthier place where we can all be free of past Either misunderstandings or false cognitions or bad habits, and move into a really beautiful place.
1: I am one that would put the difficult conversations off as long as possible, and then with with the hopes that they would resolve themselves somehow miraculously. <laughs> and uh, and so now I have the difficult conversations every day it seems. <laughs> and uh, and what I've learned is that. With the skills and tools that I have now, by the way, that I didn't have when I was 44 years old and at the time of Jesse's murder, and when I found out about them, my life completely changed in learning them. And so what I've learned is that they're not as hard as you think they're going to be. And we grow as human beings when we are outside of our comfort zone, yet we don't want air because it's uncomfortable. So sometimes people live their whole lives trying to protect themselves, not understanding that it's really when we're outside that comfort zone that we grow through our thoughtful responses. Every day, I intentionally get outside of my comfort zone and it is such an incredible feeling you know, a lot of the issues are rooted in fear uh, and in the fear of really not being enough, right? And so with what we teach in Choose Love for the Workplace, we start with the self and then work outward.
0: Absolutely. In fact, with those difficult conversations and on a number of my projects, I've had some really tough conversations. Again, I work with Special Forces soldiers. So these are tough people who have had experiences i have not had and they have been engaged in conflict management in an extreme setting and they have a deep culture from which to navigate these issues but i was outside of that culture and i could not be them and so i had to be really comfortable being who i was and knowing who i wanted to become so that when someone did something counterproductive I could be clear about what I wanted to say, what I needed, and not lash Mm -hmm, back mm -hmm. out. Because when attacked, we might want to attack back. That's just very natural. And it works sometimes before we even Mm -hmm. have a chance to think. So the idea of being able to pause, which is something that we teach, um, and then decide, how do I want to respond to this? And almost always, I grew in those conversations. Sometimes. I would have three days of meditation, prayer, fasting before I engaged in the conversation because what I wanted to do was be super clear about what was needed. I needed to get all of my hurt out of the way. This person disappointed me, this person attacked me, this person didn't appreciate all that I had done for them. I needed to deal with all of my anger and disappointment so that I could have a conversation that actually helped that person identify what was going on, and then what steps needed to be taken, and I needed to do it with the same energy that I would have if I looked at a salt and pepper shaker and said, "That salt and pepper, and not." <laughs> oh my gosh! I can't believe you put the salt in the pepper, you know, container, whatever, you know. Um, and that takes a lot of time. Now it doesn't always take three days. That's when I want to be. Ex- Exquisitely careful, and by the way, every time I took the time to pause to deal with my heartbreak, uh, abandonment, betrayal issues, so that I could go in and be very mm-hmm. precise with the person, I got even better results mm-hmm. than I wanted. Some people would say, "Hey, that was miraculous. What happened?" Well, how did that person change from you know X to Y? Well, it, it wasn't my miracle. What I was able to do was get my anger mm-hmm. and all these tough feelings out of the way through introspection, through forgiveness, um, and then engage with them about the issue that needed to be engaged with. Now, that person that I was working with usually was going to be met in the way they had treated someone. So they were usually going to be met with invective, cursing, but I didn't do that. You know, and that's kind of an odd thing. Like if you're waiting to get punched in the stomach and hey, where's the fist? Wait, what's this? You're giving me a flower. I don't get that. You know, it's very dissonant and it creates the space where that person can say, I was not attacked in kind. I was shown something that I actually agree with and now I have a choice about what I need to do. So those skills are incredibly rare in the world because not enough people have the social and emotional intelligence to to slow down. So when we think about a hard conversation, think about how much we learn about ourselves in that. You know, Sometimes the medicine is really tough, but it's worth it. And so you know, there are mm-hmm. uh, the mean girls or mean guys in your head, and you have to be able to tell them to take a hike. Stop talking to me. I appreciate what you're saying, but you're not gonna be in the driver's seat here. Then you have to deal with the emotion that comes up. And whatever this person who maybe you just met or started interacting with on the team says to you, Most likely it's happened somewhere before in your past. And so you have to always realize it's probably not them getting on your nerves. It it might be the voice of a disapproving parent from your childhood getting on your nerves. But it sure hits your emotions much quicker than you'd like. You didn't give them permission to be your disapproving father or mother, but here they are. You feel like you've been disapproved of. Or maybe someone's acting like a child, and suddenly you feel like you're an angry parent. You want to be an adult. You want to deal with them as an adult. But these things can happen really fast. Um, And so we need to be super thoughtful. and, And it's often really good to have a friend in that. So the more wholesome friends who we can be around, who can do things like, call us on our bad habits that we've grown to love, uh, help us dream bigger dreams, comfort us when we're sad, um, and then have fun with us. If we can surround ourselves with those people, and we won't have that many of them, but just a few of them, we'll be in a good place.
1: We had a conversation the other day within the Choose Love movement on worst case scenario. And uh, worst case scenario, when you use that skill Usually in the workplace, it's, wow, well, okay, worst case scenario means that I'm not gonna get this promotion, I might lose my job, things like that. But now we're looking at this pandemic and saying, worst case scenario is death. And it's interesting. So we never really were guaranteed tomorrow. And, you know, if you've had a loved one that has been lost in a tragedy, as I have, and by the way, as you have with your debate partner, um, you you have that realization and it's almost a gift because it informs the way that you live your life and you are more aware, I think, of taking every day for granted and you don't wanna do that. Um, But how do you think that what you were talking about before kind of relates to this time that we're in and the coronavirus and what leaders are facing both individually and in the workplace and and, and economic and, and the future of the world and and all of this. It's a loaded question. Well, Scarlett,
0: yeah. Well, so ultimately this is a question about death. You know, we would like to think we have all these days, all the time in the world, But there's a lot of wisdom literature that says, number your days. And in numbering your days, you will be mindful that the moments that we have are the moments that we have. And when you bring up death, the final end of our human life, of our body's incarnation here, I believe in a soul, Mm -hmm. so I have a strong afterlife view. Not everybody does. And so when you are looking at the end of the time in your body, things get very serious and right now ultimately it might be a gift to just think about your business going downhill the worst case scenario and what kept a lot of older people in their homes when they wanted to go to their regular hangouts and said well i'm 80 you know i've had a, i've had a long life well i've had a number of conversations mm, with ah. people who've told their parents do you die alone in a parking lot field hospital and that's yes. been the scary idea. The pictures in Italy, the pictures in New York, that's keeping people at home. And people do not want to die alone. Now, I worked in the hospice movement and the incredible aliveness that comes with people at the end of their lives happens in part because you know yeah. it's coming. And you have these moments which are taking away And you can spend those times in intimacy and there can be a beauty that you did not know existed. But that is communal. And what we're looking at now is something much more like you and I face because loved ones cannot be with their dying beloved. So what happens then? And I wasn't with my friend when he was brutally murdered, stabbed 22 times by another friend. It was unconscionable. But the pain that I felt, the stories that I had in my head about what that meant stayed with me for a very long time. And I was very stuck because I did not really understand what I thought about attachment, holding on to moments well after they're gone. And our world has a lot of attachment. We have a lot of ideology and ritual around, I will never forget, but we're humans and there has to be a way of living with memory that is generative, Mm -hmm. that gives us life and joy, and that doesn't put us in a tomb. Um, And then how you deal with the reality of a shift in a relationship with a spirit or with a memory that is no longer corporeally there. So I'd like to say ultimately what we're dealing with is this great fear of, of death um, because it's now front and center and yes the businesses are dying um, but new businesses can be reborn as long as you have health you are going to be able to pivot in some way but if your health's taken away there is no pivot corporeally at least and so this is a very difficult time and I think what we need absolutely um, at this point choose love formula elements of courage we need gratitude we need forgiveness if we are carrying a knapsack full of grudges we are not really in the moment anymore and when we're at the end of life we say does that really matter anymore and then of course there's also compassion in action which for me is about building the flourishing community mm-hmm. what is beyond this world that's crumbling that did not work for everyone that even for the people who work they kind of knew hey it's not working for some other people maybe i have too much but i'm not going to say it because i really love having too much um so yeah there's lots of opportunities for rebirth, a very violent rebirth, um, because it's coming through death and pandemic and shortages and, and scarcity. But there's also this sense about what if we were to have joy? Mm-hmm. I know people say, hey, you shouldn't have joy at the edge of life. Well, well, why not? What's in that thought that that we would limit ourselves? So I'd like to ask you about how you make mm-hmm. sense of Jesse's violent death and living a life of joy. Because I think our listeners yeah. will say, Hey, you know what? We might have deaths that we're not with the person that we loved. You weren't with Jesse when he died. How did you process that? Because that's to me, like the, the worst case scenario for everybody is you die alone in a field hospital. So how did you process that? It was
1: tough because you, as a parent, you're supposed to protect your child. And so you send them to school and you're not there. I was at work and they're brutally murdered. And so that was something that was really, really tough. And I had to forgive myself for it. You may think, well, you know, it's a law. You have to send your kid to school. Um, But that was something that was really hard for me. And of course, you think about what he must have felt and the terror, and that was hard. It, it did help me that he was able to be so courageous in the very end and save nine of his classmates. And that model of courage uh, is something that I wanted to live by going forward. If, if Jesse had the courage to stand up to the shooter Uh, This deranged young man who had just murdered his principal and school counselor right outside his door. Um, And this was all broadcast all over the school because the intercom system was uh, left open. So if he had the courage to do what he did in that moment, I certainly can choose to have the courage to accept what happened, but at the same time... Dedicate my life to being part of the solution that created that problem, because what happened at Sandy Hook is 100% preventable. Uh, every time there's a school shooting, it, it's uh, the base is suffering, and we can practice compassion and action. We can ease another person's suffering to the point where they don't think. The only way out is off putting their pain onto as many people as possible and then killing themselves. We can do much better than that. And you know, you were talking about how a lot of people were happy with the economy, but we had a lot of issues. School shootings are our new normal. And we had one mass shooting per day and half of our U.S. youth having a diagnosable mental illness by the time they're 18. We had an epidemic where over 50% of Americans were lonely and we had burgeoning substance abuse. Despite, despite all of our efforts, we had increasing bullying, and not by the way, just in school, because these issues don't stop when we graduate, they continue out into society. So we, we had a lot of issues and it's not like we didn't know about them and we weren't following the curve up, it's just that the way that we were dealing with them wasn't working. (laughs) Let's just face it, right? And I know we have a lot of egos tied up in this, but it wasn't working. And, you know, as a mom of a child that was the result of efforts that did not work, I wanted to have the courage, like Jesse showed, to think about things in a different way. Well, if that's not working, what does work? oh wow okay so maybe not reacting but how about addressing the cause of those issues because when you address the cause then you are talking about the solution and oh there's this thing that has decades of research that benefits everyone by the way which is social and emotional intelligence oh and by the way we're not born with these skills and tools we have to learn them and and if we didn't learn them at home and or in school, we get to be an adult and we don't necessarily have them. And it leads to the majority of suffering that we're seeing. And interestingly enough, by the way, I just attended a parade drive-by birthday party of one of my middle school friends, one of my best friends, by the way. He's on our board, Robert Haynes. And, you know, we were talking about our childhood and he was like reminding me, you had a perfect childhood. And I was like, you know what, I really did. It wasn't until my parents divorced that I really, really knew suffering. Um, But even so, I wasn't learning social and emotional intelligence. I definitely didn't learn it in school. I didn't learn it in college. And I didn't learn it with my varied work experience, even though I've done some pretty cool things. I found myself as this grieving mom at 44, wanting to dedicate my life to finding a solution and I did. And so it's having that acceptance of what happened. I definitely don't resist it. I don't avoid it. You know, I'm angry to a certain extent that it motivates me to not want to see anyone else suffer in this way. And I practice this formula every single day and it really it's how I live my life and it works. So you have courage and science tells us that courage is like a muscle that you have to practice it you have to work it out for it to grow and then you practice gratitude and gosh everybody's heard of gratitude but not many people know the extensive scientifically researched benefits and how it really is the great mind shifter and it can help you really shift the lens of how you see the world And then forgiveness is such a vital part of my healing journey. And I know it has been with you too, Allegra. When you see somebody that specializes in forgiveness, they usually have a personal story about why that is. And it is such a vital part of the healing journey, but life in general, even if you haven't had a significant tragedy in your life, forgiveness, is a part of everyday life i mean there's a reason why kids find that forgiveness is their favorite character value and they call it a superpower and that it makes them feel so good there's a reason for that and then compassion in action literally we are all here you know and i found the purpose of my life and i doubt i would have found it unless i had been faced with my own personal tragedy but my purpose and and I would challenge others and it just might be that it's it's everyone's purpose is to step outside of our comfort zones and help others. I mean you were quoting Rumi I'll quote Ram Das and you quoted him before as well. We're all just here to walk each other home. And it took a personal tragedy for me to realize that but if people could come upon that understanding in a much gentler way, it would be so much easier for them.
0: Well, I think there's a question though too, we, you know, life gives us lemons and if we haven't gotten the lemons yet, they're coming uh, because life is a lesson in letting go. I love how the Buddhists say, there's something like eight deaths that we all face and we get these things and they slowly get taken away from us. So even if you've had a perfect life now, Having these skills, knowing that somewhere out there you're going to need them is an excellent way of building up the muscles that you'll eventually need. Maybe you're not going to run that marathon today, but you will have to run a marathon in life. It's just the nature of life. No matter who you are, you will have some measure of suffering, some measure of joy. Um, And one thing that I want to just affirm for the listeners, for myself, because I sometimes forget it. In life, the Nobel Prize-winning poet Seamus Heaney says there's the murderous and the marvelous. And if we forget the and, and we only think that life is great, life is just a bunch of lollipops, then we'll run into buzzsaws because life does have suffering. But if we think that life is just the murderous and your son Jesse was murdered, my best friend was murdered, um, but if we only think that life is this hard, retributive, truth telling, because it did happen, we're not saying it didn't. If we only think that life is like that, then we're cynical and we miss the sweetness of life, that beautiful intimacy, there's moments of deep beauty, even in the most difficult lives. And it's that end that helps us. And we have to cultivate the marvelous side, not to be, um, oh, just cross our fingers and it's all going to work out because The universe is one way or another. No, no, actually, the universe can be pretty difficult. But the and allows us to rest in the nature of love, of courage, gratitude, forgiveness, Mm. compassion, and action. It gives us a direction. Let's cultivate the marvelous as much as we can, knowing that when the murderous comes, the marvelous is there. We have to have truth-telling about what happened. We have to get to root cause, face opposition. Mm -hmm. That is true. Mm -hmm. And there's also this marvelous side. I love the Dalai Lama, who I believe you've met, which is incredibly exciting. says, remember to teach people there is suffering, but there's also the cessation of suffering. And we have to, at some point, know that we've received the lesson and that there's there's also beauty and joy and happiness and camaraderie and intimacy yeah. and it's knowing that that's the case on this journey uh for periods of time there's going to be more suffering um, but there'll also be more marvelousness uh, it's such a it's such a gift it keeps us out of that pollyanna it's all going to work out close my eyes to the reality and also out of cynicism and the hearing that you have just seven years into this journey, and that's not a long time. I wrote a novel that you mentioned about World War One, and people would say, in the novel, this woman takes 17 years to come to grips with what happened. And I said, 17 years is a short period of time compared to what France, and Germany are still experiencing after World War One. it was 100 years ago, and the reverberations of that massive loss of life of their sons and daughters, it's still impacting Europe. It happened, you know, World War Two came up and then everything was kind of covered up afterwards and, and you see fascism coming back up and all of these challenges, um, the cycle of the human heart can be extraordinarily long it can be glacial in its movement if we are stuck and how do we get unstuck we use social and emotional intelligence
1: after jesse died what these uh social and emotional skills tools and awarenesses did for me was it made everything more vibrant i saw so much more color i noticed so many more things and these micro moments of joy wow. started popping up. You were talking about the murderous and the marvelous. Even in the beginning stages of my healing, there was such great beauty and, and love. We're all connected by the want and need to love and be loved, yet we all suffer as well. And it's, it's interesting, I tell kids when I speak to them in schools, even if your life has been perfect until now, You are going to face difficulty, challenges, roadblocks, perhaps even pain and suffering. And those are not things that you should fear, but they're things that you need to have the courage to face and to ask, what are the lessons in here for me? How am I going to grow through this? It's literally called post-traumatic growth. And we're so busy... A lot of times trying to resist out of fear, challenges and and difficulty when in reality, when you have social and emotional intelligence as they arise, you can just stand to face them and learn from them and even more so grow through them to strengthen yourself and to become a better person. And so that's what I try to do every single day. I wanted to ask you a question. You published a recent collection of poetry, We Interrupt These Wars. It's an incredible book. I have it. It's by my bedside. Um, On the back, it says, sometimes we're too loyal to our suffering. And, you know, sometimes we write what we're
0: struggling with. Has this been a challenge for you? Absolutely. Um, I write about that because uh, it reflects me. And so the idea that we have a negative bias in our hearts and our minds. That's how we're wired for survival. And it takes more effort to remember about the fun in life. And what I love about Jesse was that one of the notes he left uh, so famously was the note, have a lot of fun. And so the idea that sometimes we do need to cry, we need to go back and touch the pain and sit with it. Uh, But it can also be quite hypnotic. And and we can get stuck in there and move into self-pity and so for me why i went around the world was because i did have that negative bias and it was very heavy and it was Mm. a story that my Mm -hmm. dad's family told themselves my dad had uh, agent orange related uh, mental illnesses um, and he had a lens of depression especially later in his life when the sclerotic effects of agent orange really took hold and so hearing a, a beloved family member tell you the story of defeat and oppression and mm. uh, bad things happen to us it is very difficult, especially when you love this person. You want nothing more than their health. And so having grown up at marinating in that depressive viewpoint, I also said, I wonder how people get through this when they have no right and reason to get through this. So I went around the world, both at the edge of war, uh, in the post-war rebuilding places of the world, and then at the end of life, at the hospice movement, and just sat with people and said, okay, you've got bigger problems than me. Can you help me walk me through your mental game? My favorite phrase was, they buried us, but they did not know we were seeds. And that is such a helpful metaphor because yes, wow. yes, they did bury us. And it's so true, but the idea that I'm a seed and they didn't know that putting all that manure on me oh, and all oh, that, that powerful that, that burial, uh, that that was exactly what I needed to grow into a beautiful flower. And so, yeah, so to me, I love hanging out with you with you know, either with your book, through listening to what you're doing Um, or to talk with my friends who've been through the ringer in world-class ways such that they've been given Mm. prize for this. You don't want the UN Human Rights Prize um, because that means that you have suffered greatly, but that you were a flower, that you you blossomed into something magnificent that is so beautiful and, and positively fragrant and alluring that people flock to you and And children want to be around you and animals want to be around you and when people are around you they relax and they stand up taller and the babies smile and people want to dance because that gentle beautiful pulsing of life that's beautiful that's still there that's intimate can come out and there are these beautiful places of light around the world that I've gotten to visit with and and study with, barter my skills for. Um, And the Choose Love movement is is certainly one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just the idea um, in looking at all the pictures of you with the school kids, uh, with you with uh, recently the Choose Love at Work program was in New Hampshire working with um, first responders and all of these elements of remembering the beauty of life. St. Francis would say, we need to reteach animals their loveliness and then you need to reteach humans, me, my loveliness. Um, because we get spattered by life. And and so this reteaching of the loveliness through the SEL work uh, is part of it. But um, I'd like to know, Scarlett, for you, <laughs> what is fun? Because Jesse said, have a lot of fun. And I'm not gonna let you say your purpose, because I know that that's a lot of fun for you. But on a day that you were not sharing this incredible message of flourishing, <laughs> what is fun?
1: Right now, as you ask that, I'm looking out my office window at my barn and I'm looking at a couple of little minis I have in my horse. I've loved horses my entire life. Uh, I've always had horses in different capacities. You probably hear my chickens, uh, crowing my rooster at least, but I've got chickens too. Um, they bring me a lot of joy. I paint them. So I've been oil painting for 30 years. I have a boat. I love being out on the water. Uh, I love experiencing new things, Uh, skiing, being active, walking with my dogs, singing in my car. I've always had a singing tape. So, you know, start with a track and then go to CD and now it's uh, iTunes. But I always, it's really the same songs and I know them by heart and I can sing on key with them. (laughs) And I'm sure that if you drive by me, you think I'm probably screaming. But um, but I'm actually singing at the top of my lungs and that brings me joy. You know I, I just remember with the boys loading them up. You know, I was a single mom so I worked all week but then on the weekends I would Google fun things to do in Connecticut and surrounding area. And then we'd set off early in the morning on Saturday morning and My mom would call and say, uh, when we had cell phones, uh, what's going on this weekend? And I'd say, oh, well, we're going to visit a fox that just had pups up in Upper State, Connecticut, and then we're gonna do this, and then we're gonna do that. And it was just, we're gonna go to the beach because we live about 45 minutes away from the Long Island Sound. And just, uh, just continuously trying to be in the present moment and live life, have fun, enjoy, You know, I if you read my book Nurturing, Healing, Love, I don't think I ever fully acknowledged it to myself, but I had a sense that I, you know, were never guaranteed tomorrow. And that I just had this sense that Jesse might not be with me forever. And I don't think I actually fully articulated that myself. But um, looking back, I can see that I had that sense. And so I squeezed every moment out of it. And I practiced being present with those boys as much as I humanly could. And that's the reason that you know, often when I'm presenting, I'll share a picture of my car, that cold morning in December of 2012, when I walked Jesse out to the end of my driveway and gave him a hug goodbye. And noticed that he had written in the frost on my car with his little fingernail, I love you. And he drawn hearts in all my windows. And I was just so, you know, so present. And I was like, wow, this is one of life's moments. This is just incredible and beautiful. Wow, life doesn't get any better than this. Stay right there. I'm gonna run in and get my phone, which of course is a camera. So I run back out, take that picture. I even deleted one and I put him, I, I positioned him by that so I could get the message and him with his little goofy smile and his little fake vampire teeth, which is how he went into school and uh, and took the picture, took a close up of the I love you. And I I was able to get a picture. And then, you know, it didn't stop there. Um, JT, his older brother, found that message that you refer to uh, have a lot of fun on his desk a little message all folded up. And of course, I had found the nurturing, healing, love message on the kitchen chalkboard, which gave me my purpose. But I realized, you know, these are the two most important things in life. And Jesse has left them as as messages for us and as inspiration. One is choosing love as the base of every decision that we make on a daily basis, because you're either choosing from a base of love or fear, and the outcomes look vastly different. And then Having a lot of fun. I mean, that is what we're here to do as well. And, you know, when you get to the end of life, I, I can't imagine being on my deathbed, uh, even with the blessing of being able to have a thoughtful goodbye, but in thinking, I wish that I'd had more fun in life. I wish that I'd been more present. I wish that I'd had stronger relationships. And uh, I wish that I'd been a little bit more resilient. I wish I hadn't been so inwardly focused and focused on myself. I wish that I'd been focused on other people. I mean, these are all things now that I won't have those regrets um, because of the social and emotional intelligence that I've learned as an adult, by the way. And it is all about having a lot of fun. And Jesse did, get that from me but we did have a lot of fun you know on your website by the way Allegra I love that a lot of the focus is on resilience and shifting out of suffering because you get to a certain point everyone suffers and feels pain but you're right you get to a point where it becomes pity and then it becomes inward focus and then it's just a spiral down from there so you have so many suggestions on your website on how to shift your lens if you will and start really enjoying life and and really i mean that's why we're all here to walk each other home and i believe to eke out as much enjoyment as we can and it's there and it does take some amount of social and emotional intelligence to be able to see it for one thing and then take advantage of it as much as possible And I feel like that's what we've been brought together to give to
0: other people. I am so delighted to be invited into your circle, into the Choose Love Circle, to do this. I'm going to give a shout out to Play. And one of the things that I've done with soldiers for the past four years is to create a park so that they could play with with found things in a very natural setting with their families because once we're apart from each other, there's a time of reintegration and in this pandemic we will come back together at some point. And what the soldiers found that it actually is harder, one of the hardest parts of the deployment process, going away is hard, but coming Mm -hmm. back is the hardest Mm -hmm. part because everybody's changed. and when we get back together after this pandemic, your friends will have changed, you will have changed, and it will be different. And if we expect people to be just like they were, we will be disappointed, they will be disappointed. And one of the best ways to get around Mm -hmm. those difficult disappointments and to get onto a new footing is to play together, to kick a ball together, to go on a walk together, to a tug of war is a great one. Um, And so have some kind of communal play because soldiers often say, hey, have I forgotten to play? Things have been really bad downrange. Have I forgotten how to play? And nobody forgets how to play. And so having a lot of fun, uh, which I offer on the website as images of this park uh, that I worked at the past four years, is one of just the most natural ways to help you rebond, to identify how has my friend changed? How have I changed? Do I still like this person? You know, you get to re-up, they get to re-up. So this is the next phase of the pandemic will be a great reintegration where there will be a lot of people blindsided thinking, I'm just gonna go back to the way it was, but hopefully they grew and changed, hopefully you did too. And this is to be celebrated, but how do we get back together? Well, play a game, uh, do something fun. And by doing that, it's a very natural way to reconnect and to see each other with new eyes.
1: I mean, all the way back to the 1960s, they found that a common denominator in a lot of violent criminals and even mass murderers was lack of unstructured play. So I know that's crazy to think about, but this is all, I mean, everything that we're talking about is the latest scientific research, the latest neuroscience. It all leads us back to choosing love as being the most important thing that we do on a daily basis and it is a choice When you have the awareness, skills, and tools, it's why we're here on Earth, and also to have a lot of fun.
0: I love it because one of the things that I love most about this is showing people, yes, bad things do happen. The unbelievable, the irreversible happens. That is 100% true, and guess what? It's not over. It is not over. One of my favorite stories uh, from the voting rights movement was that my teacher, uh, my sixth grade teacher, was Martin Luther King Jr.'s family's best friend. And he lived with them during the Voting Rights Act. And he would tell every night that he was there and able to have story time, he would tell my teacher's daughter stories. And the daughter would know, hey, Uncle Martin, she, she called him Uncle Martin, that's not exactly how the story went. And he said... I'm never going to tell you a story with a bad ending because if it's a bad ending, then that's not the end of the story. And I love that because if you, what you've experienced can say, Hey, there's also this joy and beautiful opportunity to move into a new way of being, we can inject in the civilization, this rich vein of love. and, And I'm going to help you do it. Um, if I can do that, then, Other people can do it, too. And it's such a hopeful message that this is not the end. This is maybe a new beginning.
1: You know, our base message is choosing love over fear. And there's no better time to learn the skills and tools that can help you do that than right now. So Allegra, thank you so much for, gosh, volunteering for the Choose Love for the workplace division of the Jesse Lewis Choose Love movement, for coming into my life, for expanding and helping me grow into an even better person. You have enriched my life far beyond what you even know. And I'm so excited for our future together. I'm so excited for what you will be creating and how This workplace program is going to be rolling out across the country and world. I just, I'm so grateful for you. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Scarlett. And thank you all, Choose Love friends, for staying with us, for thoughtfully responding with love, for learning about the Choose Love movement. Help us spread the message. It ripples out. We are definitely together creating a safer more peaceful and loving world and we all have to do our part to be part of the solution and you definitely are so thank you so much and until next time thank you for choosing love hey, hey,
0: oh. it's all part of us we can all choose love it'll lift you up if you let it in let
1: the heat